Welcoming everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Help the show out there. You can share this one wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by the Ted Lasso of Texas podcasts, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? I no spoilers. Assume that means that uh, that I'm I'm folksy and that I also am adjacent to a coach beard. I could have called you several other players or other characters. That would be way more insulting uh, to you as a person, but it's fine. I, uh, yeah, because I, I adore Ted Lasso, that. and I think that is nothing but a, but the highest of compliments. 100% meant to be a compliment. So uh, that's the, the only joke I could come up with because uh, we are previewing KU this week, and um, we love Andy. Andy Mitz is going to be on with us. Uh, every week we've gone through, every Thursday we've gone through uh, one of the opponents on the Texas Longhorns schedule, and we are just three weeks away from wrapping this up. And so we've got KU today. And so we're going to start with kind of the hot-button topic, the, the big issue, the thing everybody on the internet is talking about and that's conference realignment so Andy I want to hear from you there's been a lot of talk about you know Kansas going to the Big Ten or what 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 have you so as as the Kansas guy like what's what's your read on the situation and where would you want to see the Jayhawks land well I, I think where I would want them to land is really easy that that would be the Big Ten um, you know, I see a lot of people talking about how we could try to keep the Big 12 viable. And, and I mean, I think that there is a possibility to do that. It's definitely going to be a weekend conference if they do. But if, if we're talking about Kansas going somewhere else, the Big 10 is really the one that makes the most sense. You know, a, a lot of people are talking about, well, nobody would want Kansas because they're they're got awful football program. Um, I think I think what that fails to take into account is just how big of a brand Kansas basketball is. And the fact that when the Kansas football team finally gets it together, you know, they actually have shown the ability to draw a whole bunch of fans. If you think back to, to the 2008 season when they went to the Orange Bowl, they were drawing fans like crazy. You know, I mean, it was it was a big thing for Kansas to be good in football. And eventually they're going to get back there or at least get back to being respectable. Kansas fans have shown, especially with the football program, that if they're at least going to a bowl game, you know, then then the fans are going to follow. And honestly, every single time that the Kansas fans have had any kind of hope in the last decade, the fans have started to show up and really started to actually engage with the program and and really come back. The problem has always been is that it's not very long lived. And so, you know, it only takes half a season for the apathy to kick back in when you realize that you're on your way to another, you know, one in 11 season or something like that. So, you know, they definitely do have the fan support. Um, you know, it's, it's so, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things right now, the football program is, is awful, but when you have a guy like Lance Leipold getting hired, you know, a guy who preaches consistency has shown the ability to take programs and get them turned around. What he did at Buffalo is amazing. I think he's going to have an opportunity to do that with this Kansas program. And so it's just a question of how long is it going to take for him to do that? And, you know, at that point, once that actually happens, they will be able to go ahead and actually bring that fan interest that they need. You're killing the the segues there, Andy, because I think the thing before we talk about the actual football team to talk about is the is the coaching, right? We've gone from... I'll say maybe some some names that people knew in recent years uh, as the coach of, of 
Kansas football who were known for something elsewhere to the greater college football audience. Obviously, Les Miles, you know, was an enormous name in itself. But it seems like with this, maybe maybe the diehard college football fan is familiar with uh, Coach Leipold's history, but maybe the the more casual fan doesn't doesn't know of him before today to know that he's the the new Kansas head coach but like you mentioned Buffalo but I mean he's got a history going well beyond that of being incredibly successful at smaller programs and building them up uh basically again taking Buffalo from a a Mac bottom feeder to a perennial kind of top 25 type program realistically what are the expectations for him coming in taking over you know a team that Sure, Miles, you know, was recruiting and doing things, but realistically, a team that's won seven conference games since 2008. What are the realistic expectations for him coming in? Well, I mean, if we're talking this season, I think the expectation is one, maybe two wins. Like, there's no real expectations for him for this season. What the expectations are is that they are going to show progress. They're actually going to develop their players. So Les, Les Miles did a very, very good job of restocking the cupboard, doing the thing that David Beatty was supposed to do before him, you know, bringing in a bunch of guys, getting the the scholarship situation turned around. And then if he could show some progress and actually start to get some wins, then he earns a second contract and gets to keep going. Otherwise, we move on to the next coach once the scholarship situation is fixed. Well, David Beatty got a nice big win against Texas, you know, to, to really boost his <laughs> stock there. And they decided to give him a contract extension for whatever reason. I have absolutely no idea. And as you can imagine, the bottom dropped out and expectations went way up. And Beatty found out that he was in way over his head, which anybody paying attention could have seen. Um, you know, and, and so he did exactly what Charlie Weiss did before him in bringing in a ton of JUCO transfers to try to salvage his job at that point. And so it put them right back in the exact same scholarship situation that they were in. When Les Miles came in, yeah, he was, you know, big flashy, the name and everything, but the plan there, and and I still think it was the right plan at the time, was to have him come in, use his considerable influence to bring in guys who have big 12-level talent and get that roster restocked so that maybe in years four or five of his contract, they could start to win some games and get close to bowl eligibility. I still think that they're on that kind of track. You know, they actually did restock the roster, assuming that they don't have a whole bunch of transfers after this season, then the next recruiting class is going to get them back to the scholarship limit. So that will be fixed at that point. That was the main thing that Les Miles did correct. Obviously, he had all of his other issues off the field back at LSU. That means that he's not here any longer. But this is about the best situation that you can expect to be in as a Kansas fan going from you know, the roster's now restocked. You have a guy in Leipold that really wants to be here. He really wanted the job when it came open two years ago, along with Jeff Munkin. Like, they both were fighting for that job back then. The fact that they're here now, Leipold is the kind of coach that you want to be able to build a program like this. His big thing is consistency, and one of the biggest problems Kansas has had is so much turnover at coaching positions, especially offensive coordinator, um, that they haven't really been able to build anything. You know, it, it's a different direction every single year. Les Miles wasn't really known for his offense, and that's where Kansas was having problems the last couple of years was, you know, they weren't really getting any offensive development. You know, Brent Deerman was absolutely phenomenal in terms of his mind and the kind of things that he could do and the kind of game plan he could put together. But in terms of running an entire offensive staff, he was in a little bit over his head last year at the Power 5 level. I, I definitely think that Deerman is going to be a really good coordinator over at Middle Tennessee and then as he goes throughout his, his career. But it was just, I think, a little too much for him, especially in a less Miles system where you don't have the support of the head coach because the head coach is expecting you to be really good immediately. And so, you know, I think they're they're in a situation now where even if they don't get a bunch of wins in the next two or three years, I think the fan base, the administration, everybody is ready for finishing off the rebuild getting to the point where you are you know continuing to develop guys and and that's really what the key is now is 
We have a decent amount of talent. We're still pulling in a bunch of talented guys. Now you actually have to take those guys, develop them, and move them up to the next step so that you can be competitive in Big 12 games, even if the wins don't come immediately this year or next year. As long as you're keeping it competitive, staying close, putting a good product on the field, the fans are going to be paying attention. You're actually going to get what you need in terms of all the support from everything around it, and then the program will continue to move forward. I like the direction. And so one of the advantages you mentioned, the new offensive coordinator and uh, Leipold's a a former offensive coordinator himself. And so uh, one of the things that offensive guys like to do is they like to have their guy at quarterback. And so this year they've got their, their ability to pick the one they want. They've got uh, kind of what's seeming to be like a two and a half, three man battle uh, heading into the quarterback spot. Jalen Daniels and Miles Kendrick uh, both got some playing time last year and are returning. Uh, Also Jason Bean from North Texas transferred in, in the off season to, uh, kind of take over or to kind of put, throw his name into the ring as well. And so from what you're seeing, I know most of these coaches will play their hands pretty close to the uh, close to the vest for the first few weeks of, of fall camp. But what are you seeing? What are you hearing? And even just like, what's your personal preference in quarterback of the three? Yeah, I mean, I, I think right now the the inside track is is Jason Bean, the transfer from North Texas, who's, who's coming in. Um, you know, he was actually recruited by the prior staff, which you know, is, is completely fine at this point. And with the, with the continuity in terms of assistant coaches that Kansas kept for the most part, they didn't really lose a step. Um, they already kind of have evaluated what he can do. It, he's probably the most ready of any of the quarterbacks that are on, on staff here, or I'm sorry, on the roster here. Miles Kendrick does have some experience, unfortunately, with the way that the offensive line was set up back when he was actually playing. Um, he didn't really show very much. And and so the biggest the biggest question, I don't even think it's about which particular quarterback, because they all have things that they could potentially do. It's it's what is the offensive line going to allow whoever plays quarterback to be able to do? I think Jason Bean is better equipped to handle a shaky offensive line, especially early in the year. Jalen Daniels is probably the most talented quarterback on the roster. The problem is you could tell that his confidence is shot after last year, you know, in especially the end of the season, he got injured a couple times, like had to leave games with injuries. He was having like a second and a half to actually get rid of the ball before he just got plastered. Um, So it's going to take some time. And, you know, Kansas's quarterbacks coach has actually kind of said that, you know, they all see the talent with Jalen Daniels. The problem is you can tell he's up in his own head. They've got to get him, you know, figured out there, get all that worked out, and then give him an opportunity. In terms of who's going to start the year, I do think it's going to be Jason Bean. I think that Miles Kendrick brings a lot of stuff to, you know, to the actual uh, field there if he was able to play. I just don't think that he's going to be able to show out enough, especially in camp, to be able to earn the starting spot over a guy like Bean who who transferred in. I, I do think, though, by the end of the year, that Jalen Daniels, if he can get his issues worked out, he is probably going to be the starting quarterback by the end of the season. The thing that is probably less of a question mark is the is the running backs. KU, uh, when Puka Williams opted out, was able to put a couple talented guys in there. Velton Gardner in particular stood out to me, but Daniel Hitchell also quite talented. Um, what does the rotation look like in the running back spot? Is it just those two guys? Is one guy getting a majority of, of the carries? Or is there any other names we should know? They actually have like four or five deep that they could go, and, and they all bring different things. Velton Gardner is that speedster, kind of a lot like what Puka Williams was in terms of he can, you know, get out to the edge, can can really just flash if he gets out in the open field. Daniel Hyshaw is that bruiser, almost fullback type guy. Um, you know, he, he he does a lot of off-tackle runs, can really just run into people. And he he you actually saw that in the Iowa State game. There was a couple of times where he had big runs for first downs or for a touchdown where he just ran over a, 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 a couple guys last year. 
Um, Amari Pesek Hickson is another one of those guys, very kind of similar to Highshaw, except he's a little bit sturdier. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit harder to bring him down, but he's not quite as agile and able to make as many cuts. Um, and then Devin Neal is a guy that I actually think is probably the best all-purpose back that they have. You haven't been hearing too much about him because he didn't really get on the field too much last year, but he's been very impressive in camp. I do think that there's actually a chance he could be the starter, um, not having had a lot of playing time the last few seasons. So I think that Devin Neal is probably the name that's most likely to break out from that group, but I could see any one of five different guys being the leading rusher for Kansas this year. Which helps out a quarterback when you've got a couple of different uh, horses in the stable back there. And so one of the one of the things that might not hurt or might not help is that uh, Andrew Parchment is no longer uh, with the team. He's transferred, took his talents to uh, Florida, which some of us are, you know, maybe regret the decision depending on your feelings on COVID and the vaccine, but it's fine. Uh, but Kwame right. Lasseter, the second, and Luke Grimm uh, both come back as a really dangerous pair of receivers for uh, whoever ends up being the signal caller. So what do those two kind of, what do you expect from those two and who else should we look out for uh, in 2021? Yeah, I mean, those are the two main names to really kind of be paying a lot of attention to. Kwame Lasseter, being that super senior coming back, like he he is the guy that I think everyone's expecting to step up and take that, you know, take that Andrew Parchment role or any of the other great wide receivers that Kansas had before them. The problem is, like, what most people don't know about Kansas is that they've actually had really good receivers, like, the last five years. The problem is they haven't had a quarterback or an offensive line that's allowed those receivers to actually get the ball. And, and so... You know, this is them. This is actually probably the least talented receiver group as a whole, or at least established, that they've had in the last five or six years. Um, but they do have some really good guys. Kwame Lasseter is a speedster. Um, you know, he he showed out in quite a few games last year. Um, you know, Luke Grimm, like you said, he really came on at the end of the season. was was a big favorite of Jalen Daniels last year when he was able to get the ball out. And so I expect both of them to, to step up. But Trevor Wilson. Uh, coming in here is I, I'm expecting him to actually get a lot of playing time and to be able to make quite a few catches. There's just a bunch of other guys that that potentially could break out, but none of them really. I mean, I don't, I don't really have a sense of which one of those guys is going to break out, but I do expect the one other guy to really get some some pretty good receptions throughout the year. And, you know, at least be a guy that you would know who he is because you've heard his name a few times if you've been watching Kansas. I, I don't really know who, though. I, I don't really have a, have a feel for who that would be, partly because there's not nearly as many people out at camp this year um, to actually be able to see all the reps that they're going through. So we're not getting quite the same information that we normally do. And they haven't really kind of singled out any of the other receivers in terms of press conferences of, of who they're talking about or or anything like that. So, so let's move it to the, uh, the other side of the ball then. Um, we we talked about it a little bit on your podcast. I'm I'm half rooting for Kansas just because I feel almost bad for the fact that uh, the the amount of talent left on the defensive side and the the, the guys who are going to be playing on in the SEC this season and and that's just you know it's it ain't right. But Karan Prunty is is the guy who stands out the most to me. Uh, you know the freshman All American cornerback uh, now uh, again playing his trade in the SEC. Who are the names? who fans should know if they know who's who's left or they know who isn't there. Don't worry about them. Who are the names on the defensive side of the ball that will be popping up, uh, you think, for, for Texas fans to keep on their radar? Yeah, I mean, there there are quite a few. Um, and it's kind of one of those things. Uh, and actually, I'm trying to I'm trying to go ahead and pull them up because there's been a lot of turnover. Sure. The main one is is Kenny Logan Jr. You know, he did a lot of work last year as their kick returner. He had a, he had a kick return for a touchdown against Iowa State. Um, some big interceptions in that game as well. So he he is the safety in the middle that is kind of that ball hawk safety was 
absolutely fabulous last year. Um, to be honest, I, I thought he had an opportunity last year to be, you know, on a, f- a freshman All-American team or like be one of those guys that actually got po- postseason accolades. Um, didn't actually work out, but he is definitely deserving of it. Deuce Mayberry at the corner position, um, I think is going to be really, really good this year. Uh, he, you know, he's a he's a redshirt freshman. He didn't get a chance to do too much last year and towards the end of the season, in, in, until the end of the season because of other injuries or other guys that just weren't really kind of available at that point. But another name that really sticks out is, is true freshman Jacoby Bryant. He is a guy that a lot of people aren't talking about at all. Um, because, but he is absolutely impressing a ton of people at camp. Um, you know, yes, it is, it is just camp. So you're kind of, you know, wondering exactly what it is, but there have actually been people like last year, he, he, he came in last year and was actually at camp and during practices last year was not eligible to play, um, because of the way that everything was going. But there were actually people saying that he was better in practice and better in camp this year than Karan Prunty was last year. So it's one of those things where there's a lot of expectations for him. I could see him as being a breakout star that a lot of people don't know anything about, um, assuming that he actually gets the opportunity. Right now, he's second on the depth chart at one of the cornerback positions. But I, I honestly think that's just because he hasn't been with the team for very long uh, in, in, in terms of the new staff being able to evaluate him. I would be surprised if he does not get significant playing time and is not one of the big stars that they have on on the entire defense this year. Um, Malcolm Lee on, on the defensive line is a guy that I'm expecting along with Kyron Johnson at those defensive end positions. I'm expecting them to have some big numbers this year. They were kind of the guys last year that were overlooked when, when you were thinking of guys like Marcus Harris. Um, you know, the guys that they had on the defensive line were those two defensive tackles were the ones you were thinking about. So Kansas has a lot of opportunities, a lot of guys that can really step up and can really give them a lot. The question really is going to be that linebacking core that they have. It was the weak spot of the defense last year. It opened up a lot of opportunities. You saw a lot of teams just getting, you know, four or five, six yard passes right in the middle because the linebackers were either out of position um, or really just had a lot of problems last year trying to figure out how to actually play. Um, That wasn't necessarily their fault. They had a lot of injuries. Like at one point, I believe it was the Oklahoma State game. At one point, they were down to their six string linebackers um, because there were so many injuries and so many people that just couldn't play for whatever reason. And so, you know, it's definitely one of those things, though. They have a whole lot of opportunities. They have a whole lot of guys there um, that they're trying to fit in, especially in in that linebacker core. That's really the big area that they're going to have to worry about next year or this year. So that that kind of brings us to the the question I want to kind of close the formal section of our conversation with. So, Andy, if there's like one... There's one position or one storyline that you're watching this year that you say this is going to be the the thing that I need to watch. The thing I'm going to make that's going to make or break Kansas. What's the storyline that you're going to watch this year to judge whether or not this thing's going to be a success? Yeah, I mean it's it's tough to come up with a specific thing to look at because really the, like the winnable games that they have are really at the beginning of the year, you know, at or against South Dakota potentially the game against Baylor at home going at Duke. Um, you might be, you know, depending on how good Texas Tech gets, you might have an opportunity to win that game against Texas Tech at home as well. But you get to the back half of the schedule and there is absolutely no expectation that Kansas is going to be in, you know, involved in any of those games. Although I still maintain that Kansas is going to come down to Texas and give you guys a hell of a time down there. So we'll see. Um, you know, if, if they're able to keep that game close and actually have an opportunity in that game, I think that is an automatic sign of success. Um, but that's also kind of one of those things everybody can be giving you guys their best shot this year. So who knows what that's actually going to say if, if it happens, but that's really what like success is going to look like for this team, whether they only have the one win against South Dakota 
um, you know, or they're able to get like three wins early in the season and then that's it. As long as they're not getting completely plastered by the end of the year, you know, especially that that final game against West Virginia, maybe going down to TCU, a team that they usually play fairly well against, fairly competitive against, um, you know, if, if they can keep those games close and you can tell that there's been development and it's just a matter of, you know, the other team being more talented at that point, then then I think you can consider that to be a success. It's really hard, though, to point to like one specific number and and say that that is, you know, success for this team. Unless, like, you wanted to say something like, you know, last three games, if they can keep the total sacks under, like, seven or something like that. And that shows that the offensive line has really taken that step forward, which is, like, the biggest open question, I think, for this team at this point. And and so, like, I, I think that's the only thing number-wise I can think of that at the end of the year would say, hey, they actually made a lot of progress. Let's be excited about what's happening next year. Well, I think that's... Pretty fantastic in depth, like uh, we said. Go, go listen to uh, we sprinkled a little Kansas in there, but his uh, pot Andy's podcast. If you want to hear my takes on Texas, but I know what you you folks all came here for. We have a, a section here. We're gonna keep Andy off of the script. We're gonna shoot from the hip, as we're calling it this year. Uh, firing from the hip, Gerald. Shooting from the hip. Either way, it doesn't matter. Shooting we're, from the we're hip. We're shooting yeah, from the hip, and uh, I, I want to get us. Something hip related, in, indeed. Well, we're having we're having the hippest guy we know on the uh, the, the Big Twelve uh, Twitter and podcasting world. Uh, so we have to keep it hip here, uh, too hip to be square. But let, oh my I'm, gosh, I'm, I'm so cheesy. Uh, let's uh, let's jump it off with. I have to ask a pre question before I ask the question. Have you been watching? one of Gerald and my favorite shows of the past few years, Ted Lasso. No, I have not. I just got Apple TV, and so I was going to go ahead and start watching it, but I have not had an opportunity yet with some other stuff that's going on. I'm not going to You know, I've been launching a network. I haven't had time to really jump in, so. I completely understand. I completely understand. Uh, (laughs) So, do you know anything about it? I'm not going to spoil it for you, but are you aware of the premise? I I, I know bits and pieces. Yes, I I am aware of the premise. A a guy that's an American football coach goes over to, I I think it's England, and actually takes over a team over there. Is that correct? That you are are spot on. So, the the, the point that I, I wanted to drive home today, I don't know if you knew this specific detail. He's uh, portrays a, a guy from Kansas. His accent is terribly bad. Not Kansas at all. Um, but oh gosh, but yeah, it, it, it's horrible. <laughs> it's very southern. Yeah, it's it's not what you would consider a Kansas accent in my my experience. But here's what I want to ask you. Without having seen the show, I will tell you this fact. He's supposedly this great motivator who won a a subdivision. I guess we're going to call it Division Two or or FCS equivalent of previous year with Wichita State, which I didn't even realize the Shockers had a or Wichita State had a football uh, team, but... Uh, they don't anymore, but they did it at one point, yeah. So uh, that's what I was going to ask you. Are, are, the, are the Kansas fans venomous, or should they be up in arms that they did not choose KU to be Ted Lasso's uh, school du jour? That, that obviously, if you can win a, nas- a national championship at KU, you can coach in the English Premier League. Should Kansas fans be outraged? Wait, wait, was that a, like a backhanded uh, like shot at the fact that, you know, Kansas would be in like a lower division of football or something? Because that's what it sounded like to that, me. It, it, it wasn't meant to come <laughs> off that way. I'm saying. No, Kansas- I, I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just giving you a hard time. But no, no, it's, it's one of those things like I think the entire point, And actually, I, I had made this joke on Twitter actually a little bit that that uh, Ted Lasso is actually the Lance Leipold story. Ah. So, you know, a guy from a lower division who was really, really successful coming up to, you know, the big leagues in, in English soccer, um, obviously completely different environment there. But, yeah, no, it, I mean, it's I don't think that it's uh, 
a, a slap at anyone. And honestly, I think that's why they picked Wichita State because Wichita State does not actually have a football program anymore. So it's not like anything that they're saying about his time at that football program was based in reality fair at all. Fair enough. Fair enough. And and give us give us a feel for Lance Leipold. I mean, we've for those of us who who watch. Um, Jason Sudeikis, he's got these folksy one-liners that are just absolutely hilarious. Lance feels like a man who's a little bit more serious to me. Does he have any? Is he is he a king of a zinger? Is he a secret uh, sense of humor in there, or is he pretty pretty Midwest, just nice, good, honest lunch pail guy? From what I've been able to tell, it's not like he's got a whole bunch of like one-liner jokes that he's throwing out there. Yeah. But he does. From what I understand, he does have some things that he says to the players that you might think are, are kind of similar in terms of okay. you know some of the sayings that he has and he's he's from what I understand he has a whole bunch of sayings that he has just like around the team and all of that we just gotcha. don't get to hear too many of them in the media so okay so we're we're in the era of, of name image and likeness and so I want I want to give you I want to get this thought from you if you had to pick um a, a company and a player that were like a perfect marriage. If NIL was a thing before this year, who would you pick of of the KU players? And what's a local, like typical KU business, Kansas business, uh, that they would have been been uh, been hawking for? Jay hawking for even. Yeah, yeah, Jay hawking for. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's actually kind of funny because the one guy, and I, I have to go over to basketball because he's he's actually doing it now in Mitch Lightfoot and like signing up to be a spokesman for pretty much every business in the area. You know, Amazing. he like he he did his his ad for one eight hundred got junk and it was absolutely hilarious. Like <laughs> Mitch Mitch Lightfoot on the basketball team is the most down to earth and yet funny guy that you can think of and the fact that he is signing on with basically everybody like everyone's like we knew exactly this is the guy that was going to do it he was going to go and you know find every single dollar that he can get because <laughs> he's he's like one of the most popular guys on campus uh, you know he's been there for so yeah, long so. yeah exactly i was uh, gonna say he's, he's got a van yeah. wilder thing going i didn't realize he was still on campus this has to be like year six right he's been there forever it is it is <laughs> right right yeah yeah so so he he redshirted um, and then last year, like he, he redshirted two years ago when, when, in what was going to be his senior season, decided to come back, like knowing that he wasn't going to get to play on, on the prior team very much at all. And then last year was the COVID year. So he got a free year from that. So yeah, he is in his sixth season with the Jayhawks here and yeah, pretty much, uh, signing up to, to hawk whatever, whatever stuff you have out there for him. Incredible that Perry Ellis walked so that Mitch uh, Lightfoot could could run to both players who combined for 28 years of eligibility. Um, <laughs> yeah, Mitch. Or I was I was saying Mitch. Mitch needs to stick around for another four or five years <laughs> to even come close to Perry. All right. So uh, I did not know this until doing a little research. That's right, listeners. We do research for this show. Um, one of the the most hated men in the the city that I currently reside in Houston. Texas, uh, Bud Adams, a, the man who moved the Oilers to Tennessee, is an alum of KU. That's right. Uh, first beloved for bringing professional football to Houston, then hated and reviled for taking it away. Um, I imagine you support all things rock chalk, all things Jayhawk. You're, you're, you're a KU man through and through. So will you today on this podcast renounce any Kansas City Chiefs fandom to support KU alum Bud Adams team, the Tennessee Titans. No. <laughs> I kind of I kind of knew where that one was going. I just thought maybe it'd be good radio if uh, if we got it. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> Fair enough. That was that was the easiest answer of the night. Uh, right, exactly. College college and NFL are completely separate when it comes to that. Fair so. enough. Fair enough. 
I'll, I'll allow. Okay, so so we'll wrap up on on this one. So uh, something I noticed when we were doing our research that Kyle uh, alluded to earlier, both teams have a Keelan Robinson on the squad. KU has a freshman from South Grand Prairie, Texas, uh, um, recruited by a guy who I'm really honestly glad didn't get the head coach job, Emmett Jones, because he would absolutely murder everyone in the Dallas recruiting game. Emmett Jones used to be a coach in the DFW area. Um, Keelan Robinson, new transfer to Texas at running back. Um, but I do, I said all that to kind of get to this point. What is your favorite name from KU Sports in the past few years, you had to pick one. What's your favorite name? Don't have to be a star. Don't have to be somebody we know. Somebody's got a name that we can uh, latch on to as a favorite. Oh gosh, um, I used to have a list <laughs> from like forever ago, and I don't remember any of the names that are on there now. And of course, you know, we'll we'll, we'll get off the, ed- the the episode here, and I'll have like five <laughs> of them come. You know what, Puka Williams, like the name Puka sure, is sure. just absolutely awesome to be able to say. So, like, I mean, that's the one that kind of jumps out. It obviously helps that he's he's a really good player too. Um, but you know, any of those guys that have those sorts of names, just like the the random nickname that you would never ever think would be anybody but a you know badass football player, um, <laughs> you got you got to go with those. So, like, I mean, I think I think it's got to be Puka. That's that's a perfectly fair one. I mean, you do, that's a classic. I feel like you, you probably maybe meet one Puka in the state of Kansas in a lifetime. I don't think you get... Uh, can can yeah, exactly. I offer my favorite? And you tell me. Maybe he never even played on the team. I just remember a couple years ago, Hassan defense was, was good, but just because he played oh, yeah. on defense. But the, you had a guy a couple years ago named Adagio Lepetti, who I thought sounded much more like an Italian soccer player or a composer from the yes. 1700s. And I just, I, I don't know why. Like, I was like, that it, that name just always stuck out as like the least Midwest and least Big 12 thing of all time. It just sounded like he should be, you know, painting elegant uh you know, murals in, in some Italian countryside uh, as opposed to playing any, any yeah. of us. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that is a very good one as well. It actually sounds a lot more like, like a, some, something musical. So like he was like classically trained <laughs> in music or something like that. Right. Yeah. So no, I, I definitely agree. Those are, those are both some, some really good ones there. Yeah. It, it, it was actually kind of funny because for a while, Hassan defense, was going to play at like the the wide receiver position, and so you know for the longest time, like well no he he actually was like in camp as a wide receiver, and so of course everybody over on Rock Talk Talk was talking about like you know the best offense or the best defense is a good offense or something like that. It's just like oh, cheesy gosh, headline, really really bad <laughs> cheesy yeah, headline exactly. writers of America really bad rejoice. dad jokes. <laughs> Right, right. Really bad dad jokes, but it, he gave us the perfect opportunity, and then he went back to to defense there. there so, but of course, it, it made perfect sense <laughs> at that point. So, well, Andy, you actually took some time away from your actual podcasting uh, jobs to come <laughs> hang out with us. So we'll let you go here. But if people want to find more of what you've got going on, brother, where can they find you on the internet? Yeah, yeah. So, so you can follow me personally on Twitter at Andy Mitch twelve. Um, also, my podcast, the Rock Chalk Podcast, where I talk Jayhawks, is at Rock Chalk Pod. And then, of course, we are part of the brand new 1012 Podcast Network. You can find all of the shows. We, we have shows covering actually a good portion of the teams. Um, actually, just got a new one added this week. Yeah, we're only in our second week, and we already added a brand new show as well. So um, head, head over on Twitter uh, at 1012 Network. That's T-E-N-1-2 Network. And you can find all of the shows there. All right, Gerald, now let's uh, wrap up the show. After talking a little KU, we're going to talk a little Godzilla-tron. What we're watching on our giant screens. Gerald, what have you been watching? 
I did a lot of streaming last week after not doing a ton of streaming like two weeks ago. Uh, did a lot. So uh, watched The Suicide Squad on HBO. A lot of people enjoyed it more than I did is the best way I'll say that. Okay. Like, there are a lot of people that were saying it was great. I heard there were some people some people were like, it's the best comic book movie ever. It's like, pump your brakes, Skippy. Like, I, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a nerd. I get that. And so, like, my wife and I, we usually, she usually has a more, like, rational take on this. So I, I would give it like a 7 out of 10. Right. It was good. Like the third act just didn't work for me. It was it was just too much. I was too it was too James Gunn for me. And I like James Gunn, but like James Gunn unchecked is a little too much for me. Uh, she gave it like a six out of ten. So she was a little less generous than I were. Uh, but like Idris Elba was great. Margot Robbie was great. She did the, the Harley Quinn thing really good. I also struggled with King Shark, the character. I love Ron Funches, the stand up comedian who voices King Shark in the Harley Quinn cartoon and it's pitch perfect. It's hilarious. And so like I had trouble adjusting that, that Sylvester Stallone is very much not Ron Funches. So that was hard <laughs> for me, but overall it was fine. It was better than any, uh, most of the stuff DC has had to offer in the last seven years. So, uh, but again, that's not a very high bar to clear. Ted Lasso continues to crush it. This last week's episode, it does the thing that Bill Lawrence shows d- do that. I hate where it's like, it's funny. It's funny. It's funny. It's funny poignant punch in the jaw you kind of have to hold back tears a little bit um and so that like again bill lawrence is a jerk because he does that bill lawrence is a guy who also did scrubs which is one of my all-time favorite shows and they would do that to you where do you think they are is still where do you think we are still scarring to me at this point and it's been 20 years since that show came out um so that one kills me and then friday night lights is back on netflix and so my wife and i dove right back into that um my wife actually this has been a point of contention to us. Never made it past the writer strike season, which I understand because like spoilers for 15 year old show, like the whole Tyra Landry kill a guy plot was, was real weird and real it's bad. The low point. Um, it was the low point. So like, if you'd got, if you dropped off the show there, I get it. But like, she missed some of my favorite stuff. So we're power, but you can't pick up that show in season four. No. You got to start at the yeah. beginning. So we started over. We're four episodes in, and it's just as good. Um, the scene with Coach Taylor and, uh, in the hospital with uh, Jason makes me cry every time, kills me every time. You're the reason why guys like me go into coaching, weeping. The dangerous part about Friday Night Lights is that every time we watch it, I ask my wife two questions. <laughs> do we want to move to a small town? And do I want do I want to quit my job and start coaching? Because originally I went to school to be a coach, and so I didn't end up going on that path. But uh, she usually shuts me down pretty handily. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't just dive straight into Vince Howard without understanding why the blue team pulls at the heartstrings so much and 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 create that dynamic. But uh, man, all the East Dillon stuff is great. Um, I. I'm not watching Ted Lasso right now. I've said that. So, Gerald, I'm so, like, every time you tease a little, I'm so excited. I'm, I am waiting a bit to, to, uh, to, to watch them in a, in a bit of a, a batch method. Because that's how I watched the first one, and it was, and it was perfect. Um, also, my wife was very excited when she saw that they replaced Will Smith with Idris. No, no shots at Will. We all love Will. But my wife uniquely loves Idris. You just mentioned, uh, I don't know if there's uh, any any heartthrob necessarily on that level in Ted Lasso, but you mentioned Friday Night Lights with Michael B. Jordan and a, a movie with Idris. And so maybe I have to listen to this podcast. I don't know. That's right up your alley. But <laughs> nonetheless, uh, I actually, like Gerald, had the most streaming time I've had. As I mentioned, I moved. I've I've been 
just going through some crazy stuff the past, I don't know, it's been a month and, and some change. And I just haven't haven't really streamed much. And it's been the Olympics on, and so that's all that we've watched in any spare time for the most part. So I actually have a couple things to contribute, uh, doing my job to this segment. Um, I, uh, I finally finished a show that I teased uh, probably two months ago that has started uh, The Last Chance You Basketball version. Uh, we talked about football. I really liked the basketball iteration Gerald have you watched it I have it's good okay yeah and and I kind of liked the small format because a basketball team kind of inherently has let's say what one fifth uh of the amount of just bodies of people to get to know to see um you you get to know the people a little bit better um just kind of really interesting backstory I think that the junior college sports scene in, in general is just like a bunch of people laying every like if you think college sports to become you know a d1 sports to become the nfl level it's a tough dream not that many people think about like the the odds of making it from juco you have to love a sport so much to like to to put everything aside to to live in your car to not eat every meal to like these people are going through some stuff for a dream and it's always interesting i think out of all the coaches that the last chance you basketball coach is the best human being out of all the coaches that i've that i that i've seen though i do like the the um, the Oakland football coach, but um, I, I just think you, he really connects, and you like you get bought in on the story and kind of the ups and downs of all these characters. And it comes to this kind of apex, and then you know, spoiler alert: if you're tracking when it is, um, basically it comes to a head with COVID, and I won't say anything more than that. But it was just pretty. It took me back to a place where you know we're far enough from early stage pandemic when that news was shocking and it just took me back to how uncertain everything was at that place and it's always interesting watching documentaries of people you know as they experience that because we're we've we're in late stage pandemic now again wear masks be vaccinated please please everyone do your part um let's get out of this thing but um just how different it was then and people not knowing and not understanding and not knowing the severity and like oh we'll just play our basketball anyway you know it's just interesting that was kind of um, it all came to a head with that. So I, I found that really interesting. I actually, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, the other show, and I would recommend it to be watched. It's it's my top three of the last chance use. I think the East Mississippi was just great because it was. I think basketball's number two. And I think I liked the, uh, the Oakland uh, football one, number three. But anyway, so um, I also watched uh, Netflix original and, and French thriller Lupin, which um, when I say it in English and say Lupin, Gerald thought I was talking about some other show, so I have to make sure I use my best French accent. And again, I just finished watching, so I'm I'm very good at it. So I'll say it again: Lupin, um, which is called Lupin, L-U-P-I-N. If you're googling, looking for it on Netflix, don't try to you know listen to my terrible pronunciations. But it's great. It is a um, just like a fun who not a whodunit. You know who done it? A, a fun how did he do it? Um, classic thriller. Um, Omar Sy, the main character. I think I said this after I watched season one. Is just really captivating. Choose up screen, real estate. Um, some of the other characters around him are, are really good in the second season. Um, nothing about it is like, oh my gosh, I've never seen this before. But it's just like a really good kind of thriller that's like 
you feel good afterwards you know it's like luther without all the dark parts like it just it, it has like a kind of a warmth to it um and a joy about it and he's the gentleman burglar you know so he's almost robin hood like in the way that he chooses he still lives outside the law but you understand why he does it and anyways just um i liked it like it is it is a great i can't say just put in the background because it's it's in french and you need subtitles <laughs> i don't mind subtitles some people do and if that could be a deal breaker for you i get it um but it is fun if you're willing to just kind of turn the brain off the same way that I loved uh, knives out and things like that, like just a fun, like I don't want to really like have to like think a lot. I just want to enjoy what's in front of me on the screen and like make it still well done and make it still a compelling story. And in that sense, I think Lupin is really, really, really good. Um, and again, I, I think Omar Sy is just a, just a force on screen and should be in a, a ton more stuff. But, uh, but yeah, both of those are, are big recommendations for me. Omar Sy is incredible and has done, uh, he's like been like bit parts and random movies and done like voice acting. Cause he's like, he's, he does a lot of French dubs of like American animated films as ah. well. Guys, guys prolific. I, I'm a big fan, uh, of Omar Sy, but that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook em. Hook em. Is Chris Beard the best coach beard?